What's up, friends? It's Haley Hines, a.k.a. Bird, and you are tuning in to the Give Em the Bird podcast. This podcast is all about challenging what it means to be healthy and fit. It's about celebrating sustainable behavior change and non-scale victories. And most importantly, it's about giving the bird to the diet industry and societal expectations of body size. Why? Well, because at the end of the day, you have an entire life to live that does not require your body look a certain way. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's give them the bird. Welcome back. Episode three of Give Them the Bird. I'm feeling extra jolly this morning that I'm recording this. But holy shit, it's been a weird couple of weeks for folks here in Iowa. If you live in Iowa, you probably know what I'm referring to. Hopefully, you've if you don't live in Iowa, you've seen it on the news or something. But last Monday, August 10th, there was a derecho that ripped through the eastern side of the state. If you are not familiar with the derecho, join the fucking club. It is an inland hurricane. Literally, there was a hurricane in Iowa. So weird. We had... Little to no warning, so no time to prepare. We thought it was just a severe thunderstorm warning, which if you're in Iowa, that means the sirens are going off, but Tyler and I like finished eating our lunch outside as the sirens were going off in true Iowan fashion. Um, And the next thing you know, like these massive hurricane winds were ripping through um, our cities and towns. So there's, as you can imagine, with 140 mile per hour winds, there's a ton of destruction. But luckily, there's a lot of ways that people can support if it's something that you're willing and able to do. So you can literally look up Iowa Derecho support or resources online um, to learn more about that. So yeah, help each other out. Do what you can. Okay, let's do number three. I'm pretty pumped about this episode. In fact, I started recording it last night and I was like tired and a little cranky and I just kind of sounded like a big a-hole. So I decided that um, I'd redo it (laughs) when I had a little bit more caffeine in my system and a little more pep in my step. But I'm really excited about this episode. It's called My Beef with the Diet Industry, which is just like clever. I mean, come on, that's punny beef diet, you know. And This is a really important episode. Obviously, the diet industry and the problems and issues that I have with the diet industry was one of the catalysts for me starting a podcast. Over the last couple years, I've just learned how icky the diet industry is and how, sadly, the diet industry is not out to help us. It's out to make money, like most industries, right? But the diet industry masks their products, their services, their programs as selling health and we fall for it because we want to be healthier and we we just don't know right from wrong we don't know how to discern if a product is actually going to help us or or if it's not so this episode's going to be all about the diet industry wow that was that was good um we're going to talk about what it is we're also going to talk about why it's harmful and then We'll start talking about what you can do to start distancing yourself from the diet industry if it's something that you want to do. A couple disclaimers before we dive in. First and foremost, I do mention disordered eating and eating disorders. So if you are somebody that has 
suffered from an eating disorder or disordered eating in the past, this might be a wee bit of a trigger for you. So please, by all means, stop and turn around. You don't have to listen to this. Second disclaimer, I may mention specific products, services, programs that you yourself currently use or maybe that you sell, and I want you to know that I do not have beef with you. I recognize that the sole goal of the diet industry is to make us believe that our lives would be made better if we had these products, services, programs, etc. in them. So I'm not blaming you if you've kind of fallen for this trap because I have been there myself. It's similar to how we are persuaded to get the new iPhone. I think my life will be made better by a new bomb-ass camera (laughs) or why we get a new vehicle, right? It's all the same. There's nothing wrong with you if you use these products or services. And while I would love to convince you in this podcast to throw them out, save you money, save you soul, I recognize that many of you may continue utilizing the diet industry and I want you to know it is okay. I just hope that through this podcast, through this specific episode, You can learn a little bit more about the diet industry and the impacts that it could have on your life in order for you to make the best educated decision for your own self. Okay, so the diet industry, what is it? I think oftentimes when we think about the diet industry, we just think about specific diets. And while diets do make up the bulk of the diet industry and the financial contributions to it, there are so many other products and services that also contribute, many of which we might use but not even realize that they contribute to the diet industry because maybe we're not even using them for weight loss. But some of these things are weight loss programs like Isogenics, Ideal Protein, Weight Watchers, etc. There's also calorie counting and weight loss focus apps like MyFitnessPal, Lose It, Noom, Lots of online fitness programs that are geared towards calorie burning and excessive weight loss. There's low-carb snacks, low-calorie frozen meals, meal replacement shakes, meal replacement bars, nasty supplements like fat burners and appetite suppressants. The list honestly goes on and on. But all of these products and services, they all contribute to the massive $72 billion that is the diet industry in the U.S. Yes, just in the U.S. alone, The diet industry is worth $72 billion. What? What's more insane than just the fact that it's $72 billion (laughs) is that we pay this much for these products, services, and diets, and they don't even work. I hate to say that because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, WTF, I put a lot of time, energy, and money into these products. What do you mean they don't work? But it's true. Research study after research study has shown that about 90% of all diets fail. Emphasis on the diet failing, not the dieter. You are not a failure if your diet didn't work. (laughs) In addition to that, specific research at UCLA has shown that initially people lose about 5 to 10% of their weight in the first six months of dieting. But four to five years later, about two-thirds of those people have regained any weight they've lost plus some. So think about that. Of all of if all of us listening to this were going on a diet, two thirds of us would regain any weight that we've lost plus some in four to five years. What? But really when you think about it, these companies that sell diets and just the industry as a whole rely on these diets not working. If they worked, that would mean that they were selling you tools to help with long-term sustainable weight management. 
And if you had these tools, then you wouldn't need to keep purchasing diet after diet after diet. And then the entire industry would lose out on a whole lot of money, and then they would go under, and everybody would be super freaking happy. In reality, though, instead of selling us these tools, they sell us a diet. And this diet functions just like every other diet, but maybe it's packaged differently to get your attention or to make it you feel like, this is the one for me, this looks healthy, etc. Essentially, all diets, though, work the same. They restrict our calories. And I totally believe that there is a whole heck of a lot more that goes into sustainable weight management than just calories in versus calories out. More on that in a future episode. But bottom line is you will lose weight if you burn more calories than what you are consuming. You won't be able to do it for a long time, though. And this is where the cycle of dieting comes into play. So let's talk about this this diet cycle or this cycle of dieting. So say you decide that you want to lose weight and you find a diet that works for you. So on Monday, you start the diet, you're feeling good. Obviously, you're not able to consume your favorite foods on it because they don't fit the diet. So you start to miss those foods, you crave those foods, you want to eat them super bad. Eventually, you give into those cravings, you consume your favorite foods, you feel guilty about consuming your favorite foods, and then you decide to restart the diet next Monday. Or maybe you take a little bit of extra time off, but eventually you restart a diet. This might sound a little bit different than what you're used to, but probably it's pretty similar, and that's because diets work the same. They restrict your calories and deprive you of your favorite foods, and that deprivation leads to cravings, which eventually leads to binging, which then makes us feel guilty, so we start it all over again. And that is the vicious, vicious cycle of dieting that so stinking many Americans and really people around the world have fallen victim to. And it's really sad. Maybe you are somebody that is in this cycle. If not, you likely can think of somebody in your life who is probably in this cycle of dieting. Somebody who every time you, you see them, they are talking about their weight, they're talking about their food, they're talking about the new diet that they're on or the, the weight that they've lost or maybe the weight that they've since regained. They are clearly obsessed with food, obsessed with their weight. And again, this is not to shame folks who've, who are there or who have been there. Like, I'm raising my hand, sisters. This is to just showcase that it's not the person's fault that they can't stick to the damn diet and lose the damn weight. It's the diet industry's fault. Their sole purpose is is not to sell you health, which is really sad because it's it's cloaked in this... It reminds me of like Harry Potter's invisible cloak. Like the cloak is over the diet industry and instead of not seeing anything, we see health. But if you take the cloak off, you'd see that they're just money hungry. The diet industry just wants to make a buck. But we believe that we are we are made to think that we will become healthier if we consume these products, if we do this damn diet. And research just shows that that's not the case. So the cycle of dieting, it causes physical harm to our bodies. And I think what's even more terrifying is the harm that it causes to our minds. So I want to talk a little bit more about both those things. So when we chronically diet or when we're yo-yo dieting, right? Like the cycle of dieting is equivalent to yo-yo dieting on and off diets. It slows our metabolism down because if you can think of your metabolism kind of like a fire, in order to keep a fire burning, you have to stoke the fire. You have to put more 
more wood on it or in my case like newspaper because <laughs> I, I can't start a fire to save my damn life um but you have to constantly provide for the fire you have to fuel the fire in whatever way that is well for the human body for the human metabolism what that is is it's eating right like calories are the wood that keeps the fire the metabolism burning and so if you severely restrict those calories, your metabolism is going to slow with it. That fire is going to start burning out, which means that you're not going to burn as many calories at rest, right? So just sitting here, just, I mean, even in sleep, whatever it is, if we don't do anything, our body is 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 burning calories because we have organs that we have to keep running, right? Like our heart and our lungs, like all these things are still functioning. So we do burn calories while at rest. But chronic dieters, one side effect um, that has been shown in their bodies is that their metabolism is reduced. Their metabolism is not as efficient. It doesn't work as well. Their metabolism slows down. So at rest, they don't burn nearly as many calories as they would have before going through a restricted diet. And I don't want to talk all about calories because... I don't give a shit about them, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, I don't like the the focus on calories. But for people who are wanting to lose weight, calories are a big freaking deal, right? And so I think if people were to know that, hey, these restrictive diets that you're doing, they're actually diminishing your body's natural ability to burn calories. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. Why would we do that? It's like a trade-off. Either eat less and slow your metabolism down so you burn less or maintain proper fuel for your body, eat more calories, and your body will burn more calories at rest. Part of what contributes to this changing metabolism is that diets change our body composition. So through chronic dieting, our body composition changes to where we actually have less lean muscle mass and more fat mass. Which, again, research is really starting to show that our typical ideas of a healthy body composition aren't necessarily true. And I plan to talk about that in a future episode. But just know that, again, for people who are wanting to lose weight, the idea is that they want to gain muscle, they want to lose fat. But chronic dieting does the opposite of this. It breaks down your muscle and it causes you to store more fat on it. And even though this is happening, you may still see a smaller number on the scale if you are weighing yourself. And that is because it's almost like a little trade-off. Again, we're losing muscle mass, but we're gaining fat mass. So we're either maybe maintaining our weight on the scale or you might be seeing slight reductions in it, but it's not in a healthy way. It's not in a positive way. You're not gaining more muscle and losing fat. That's not what's causing the drop in the scale. The drop in the scale is being caused by the opposite, losing muscle and potentially gaining some fat. And again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with gaining fat. However, when you're gaining fat because of your cycle of dieting, then it becomes a bit of an issue. So the slowing down of our metabolism and the changing of our body composition are two major negative consequences of chronic dieting, and they actually increase our chances for chronic diseases later on down the road. So think high blood pressure, heart disease, gallbladder issues. There's really the list goes on and on. And these are really just the physical side effects, so the things that are physically happening to our body. What really saddens me is the psychological and emotional side effects that chronic dieting can have on us. So if you are someone who has dieted in the past, whether one time or multiple times, or maybe you're dieting now, 
you can probably relate to the psychological side effects that a diet can have on us. And I want to start by saying some people are more predisposed for these thoughts and these feelings just because whether kind of like we Leslie and I talked about in episode number two, maybe we grew up in a house that focused on these things or we've been in a relationship that focused on our weight or the size and shape of our body. So we're going to be more likely to have some of these negative side effects from dieting. But even folks who grew up in a perfectly beautiful, loving household, have only been in healthy relationships, they can still fall prey to these negative psychological effects that diets have on us. So the biggest psychological side effect that the diet industry has on us is that we become obsessed with food. We're thinking about food all the time. If you are somebody who is currently in a diet or who has dieted in the past or can relate to that cycle of dieting that I was talking about, or even if you're not somebody that diets, but maybe you have a friend or a family member that does, I want you to think about what your thoughts are when you diet. Like what consumes your day? I know for me, and research has shown for a lot of folks that diet, it's this obsession with food. We're thinking about our next meal because we might be hungry. We're thinking about the food we want to eat, like our favorite fun foods. (laughs) For me, it's like cookies and pasta and all these delicious things. But these are forbidden foods or they're bad foods. And I'm putting forbidden and bad in quotations because the diet that we're on might make us think that we can't have these foods. But that makes us want them more, right? We, We crave them. So we're thinking about those foods. We're also thinking about how different activities that we choose to do are going to impact our calorie count. So if I go out to eat with my friends, then I'm going to have to adjust my my breakfast and my lunch. Oh, if I eat this treat, I'm going to have to run an extra mile tonight, whatever it might be. So we become obsessed with food and calories and also with our weight and our body size. We think about how every little thing that we put in our mouth contributes to the size and shape of our body. And that is obsessive. That is not healthy. That is harmful thinking. And it really strips away the joy that food brings to our life. Like, food is this beautiful thing that brings us together and gives us life. And the fact that diets make us think food is the enemy is really freaking sad. Like, it's so sad that this life-sustaining feature is, is pointed at as being negative or bad or not good or sinful, whatever it is. And I, f- I feel like that's just so sad. So... Viewing food as the enemy is another psychological side effect of of chronic dieting. In addition to this, we feel guilty when we do consume foods that we like, right? So if I do eat the cookies when I'm on the diet, I feel like a failure and I might that might cause me to restrict more later on. We lose trust with food. Like we no longer believe that we can be at a buffet and be trusted to only eat the amount of food that that fills us up properly. We, we don't trust ourselves with food. It causes us to socially withdraw because we start thinking, well, if I go out to eat with my friends, like there's no way I can have a drink, appetizers, and dinner, like that won't fit into my calorie allotment. So I'm just going to hang back. Like I'm not going to go. And again, how sad is that? That these diets make us restrict joy and love and happiness out of our lives. And that joy, love, and happiness comes in the form of friends and family. And again, food. It's so sad. <laughs> In addition, it increases our overall stress. I mean, not only are we not fueling our bodies enough, oftentimes these diets 
they're not, um, they might like restrict carbs and our brain needs carbs to thrive, to survive, to think and do all these things. And without them, we're literally going to have a heightened sense of stress. But not only is it because we may not be consuming enough carbohydrates to sustain us mentally, this food obsession just causes us to be at increased stress because we're constantly thinking about everything we do contributes to the number on the scale or, or the size of our pants. And that also lowers, lowers our self-esteem, right? When we're constantly focused on our body size and how we're not happy with it and we're doing this, this diet to try to change it, we just, we lose trust in ourselves. we lose love in ourselves. we lose confidence and self-esteem. And the worst side effect of diets and chronic dieting are eating disorders. 35% of dieters will progress into disordered eating, and 30 to 45% of those dieters will progress into a full-blown eating disorder. If you are somebody who has had an eating disorder or disordered eating in the past, or you are somebody that knows a friend or a family member with it, you know that eating disorders are really, really tricky things to work with, (laughs) extremely hard to come out of. And I'm not going to go into detail about them in this episode, as I think it would be really helpful to have um, an expert in eating disorders talk more about them when the time is right. But just know that in the most severe cases, chronic dieting leads to eating disorders. And even in not severe cases, it can lead to disordered eating, which then leads to eating disorders. In addition to these negative psychological and physical side effects. There's just research that shows that diets don't work. Again, I alluded to some of this earlier in the episode, but other research has shown that dieting is literally one of the strongest predictors of weight gain. Like we know that people who diet are going to lose the weight, but we also know that they're going to gain it back. And we know that when we don't eat enough food, when we're underfed, we're going to obsess about the food because our body literally needs it. Now, this isn't your fault. (laughs) If you're somebody who has fallen prey to the diet industry, I don't blame you for for wanting to lose weight. I don't blame you for for reaching for these products to help with that. And why? Because it's part of our culture. Not only do we have this diet industry, but the diet industry is fueled by this cultural ideal of what it means to be healthy, what it means to be fit, and what it means to be attractive what an ideal body shape and size is. In the diet culture is a lot to unpack, but just know that there is societal norms, there are societal ways of being and thinking that contribute to the diet industry being so successful. And the diet industry also feeds back into these societal norms and ways of thinking. More on that in a later episode, because again, diet culture is a lot to unpack. (laughs) All right, so we've talked about what the diet industry is, and we've also talked about why it's harmful, how it harms your body physically and your mind psychologically, and just is a life thief. It steals joy from our food, from our friends, from our lives. (laughs) So let's end this on a happy note. How can you start to make a change? How can you start to distance yourself from the diet industry if that is something that you want to do? The first step is just to become aware, and I probably will repeat this in every single episode when we talk about any sort of behavior change. In order to change any sort of behavior, whether it is like health-related or it's like 
putting your clothes away right after they get out of the laundry. Shout out to uh, Melchi who never does that. He can probably hear me right now. <laughs> Whenever you are trying to make any sort of behavior change, you first need to become aware of the fact that you do the thing. So when it comes to making a change and distancing yourself from the diet industry, the first thing, become aware of how the diet industry shows up in your life. Is it in the products that you're using? Is it in the apps that you're using? Is it in the people that you follow on Instagram who promote and highlight and encourage use of these products? And again, it can be from the list that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, or it can just be any product, service, program, anything at all that is encouraging weight loss or that is promoting weight loss. But you got to be smart about it because these products and services are sneaky, right? People are coming around to the fact that like the weight loss industry is not the best industry to support. We are getting much more accepting of all body sizes. We are recognizing that focusing on weight loss maybe isn't the best route to go. So these products, services, and programs are getting sneaky and you got to look out for their invisibility cloak, right? On the outside, they're going to look like health. Weight loss probably isn't going to be the number one thing talked about on on their program or on their marketing. However, take that cloak off, see underneath that really it is about weight, it is about the money that you're going to put into the product. So become aware of how it shows up in your life. Okay, so after we've become aware of how the diet industry shows up in our own lives, we can start to take the necessary steps to distance ourselves from the diet industry. These steps include things like ditching the diet tools that we use, becoming aware of our own self-talk and how we speak about bodies and weight in general, and then reframing those thoughts to be more body accepting and size inclusive. Like I've mentioned a couple times in this episode, distancing yourself from the diet industry and ultimately giving them the bird takes a lot of time, a lot of patience, and a lot of work, so you have to be gentle and kind with yourself. However, it You're really taking the first step by listening to this podcast, listening to this episode, and by doing this, you're coming together with a group of people who are all interested in doing the same thing. So hopefully that makes you feel a little bit better about it. As always, thank you so, so much for listening in to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that you got some good nuggets from it. Stay tuned for next week where we're going to dive deeper into those things you can start to do to distance yourself from the diet industry and get excited because you're going to feel so freaking good when you finally do it. Woohoo! To stay up to date with all things Give Them the Bird, you can follow me on Instagram at HaleyAlaHines or I did start a Give Them the Bird podcast Instagram as well. But I'm going to be honest, I rarely post on it. (laughs) But feel free to check out either page and follow along for any updates on the podcast. Okay, that's enough of me. Now get out there and go give them the bird.